You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. I really, of course, want to hear what everybody's thoughts were about the exhibit that we just saw. Um, I thought it was really, personally, I thought it was really cool. Um, and, um, like, I felt pain for the people who were <laughs> depicted. Um, so, uh, and, and, and so hopefully, like, our experiences and, and, and reactions uh, with what we saw will inform and color, pardon the pun, our conversation here. What I wanted to do was sort of um, have a conversation about um, tattooing in Judaism uh, and then, you know, bring in uh, that uh, exhibit um, to kind of talk, to kind of frame our reactions to it. Um, so let's start it this way. How many of you have uh, heard uh, at some point in your life that Judaism um, expressly forbids tattooing? Okay. How many of you have heard? How many of you have heard at some point in your life that um, one cannot be buried in a Jewish cemetery if one has a tattoo? Okay. So a lot of people. Uh, all right. So this is one way in which um, I consider myself a fairly um, unconventional rabbi. Um, is that uh, I don't take uh, any of the like popular understandings of like. Judaism definitely says this at face value. I always try to uh, dig beneath the surface and see like what's really going on in the Jewish tradition. Jewish tradition is like really wide, really vast, uh, cover spans continents and centuries. So it's really hard. And this is um, one of the uh, aspects um, of being a conservative Jew. Conservative Judaism looks at um, the totality of Jewish history, likes to see um, an evolution of Jewish thought over time. And if you look at Jewish history sort of from a bird's eye view and Jewish texts from a bird's eye view, you're able to see kind of the evolution of things over time, the way things kind of shift and play off against each other, um, the way different voices have conversations with each other, sometimes um, across continents and over centuries. Um, and the other thing that I love about conservative Judaism, why I'm, I'm drawn to it, is um, that uh, it, uh, it, it, it's really non-dogmatic um, in terms of, right, it tries to say, okay, like, what is really going on in Judaism? What's really going on in Jewish texts? What's really going on in Jewish history? That, um, where we can then um, sort of formulate, okay, you know, now in, our, in, in contemporary society, um, what does that mean for us? It is not... Um, uh, it doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean that, like, um, that, you know, nothing is um, ever set in stone. Um, it doesn't mean that uh, um, there isn't a sense of commandedness in conservative Judaism. There is. Um, but what exactly is the content of that commandedness? Like, what, you know, we say there's 613 commandments. But what we exactly mean by that, right, and therefore, like, what we are supposed to be doing as Jews um, what I love about conservative Judaism is that um, it doesn't take any of that for granted, right? It, um, uh, so so all, all the hands that were raised, I think that there's going to be some surprises in our conversation tonight, okay? So the classically, 
the prohibition, and by the way, feel free to interrupt me at any time, any questions, comments, whatever, right? This is not a monologue and, and we want to in, uh, invite a conversation. So um, the, traditionally the prohibition on tattooing is linked back to a verse from Deuteronomy, from the book of, biblical book of Deuteronomy. It happened to be the uh, portion of the Torah that Jews read in synagogue last week. So it's sort of timely in that regard. Um, so here it is on uh, with the page that says page 136. In he I'll just read it once in the Hebrew just for the for the music and we'll we'll spend most of our time in the in the English. Um, but where there's relevance I'll I'll point out what the Hebrew says. Banim atem laronai elohechem lo titgodedu velo tasimu korcha bein enechem lamet ki am kadosh ata laronai elohecha you are children of the Lord your God. You shall, not gash you shall not gash yourselves or shave the front of your heads because of the dead. For you are a people consecrated to the Lord your God. The Lord your God chose you from among all other peoples on earth to be his treasured people. Okay, so if you drop your preconceptions about what Judaism says about tattooing, how would you interpret those verses? Well, I have one question yeah. in the Hebrew. Is it clear whether because of the dead applies just to shave the front of your heads or also to gash yourself? It's a good question. Um, so is that ambiguous in the Hebrew as well? It, it's, so um, the, the phrase for because of the dead, for the dead, is that last word of the verse, lamet. Uh, it's not clear necessarily that it's uh, specific that e that both of those things are for the dead. Uh, it could very well be that uh, gashing yourselves is one thing and shaving your head for the dead is another thing. Wait, I I have a question. So, if we're not supposed to gash our bodies, why do we gash our clothes? Why do we gash because our clothes? Because of the dead. Oh, right. Uh, <clears throat> so it's a good. So first of all, there's uh, I. Um, I think, a distinction between uh, clothes and body. Um, but the practice of, uh, of tearing one's clothes, I think, is probably related to the practice that's being described here. And, and we'll look at uh, some of the historical perspective on it uh, in just a second. But, um, but my, my sense is, as not an archaeologist, but as someone who like, plays one sometimes on, on Bima, uh, um, my sense is that they're probably related practices. So is this thing... Or not shaving the front of your head. That's why, like, when you're sitting shiva, you don't shave. Um, I, I'm not. No, that's that's not usually the reason. The, the reason usually we don't shave during uh, the morning period in Judaism is because we're not supposed to be concerned about our appearance. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I know you cover all your mirrors and stuff. Right. But so a lot of you are picking up on one aspect of this verse that I think is really critical, which is that. Um, it seems to be framed as prohibitions related to what kind of practice? Morning, morning. morning practices, right? Um, doing it's things that... pretty specific. Right. So there are two pieces of it, right? So the first is that, there, that it seems like, maybe you're right, Ben, that, that they're not both related to morning practices. Um, but if you take the translation um, as, a, as a, at least a plausible read of this, um, then, uh, then, then these are these are both related to um, mourning rites. Uh, they're very specific things, uh, and so it's it's it, if you're not familiar with those specific things, it's kind of it's like one of those like biblical commandments that's really 
odd, right? Really strange. Uh, I was just reading a book. I don't know how, how many of you have read this book called The Year of Living Biblically. Have any of you read this book? Um, it's a fun book if you have a chance to. It's like, it's like it's summer reading. You know, it's not, but um, this writer from Esquire uh, decided that for a year he was going to live the rules of the Bible as literally as possible. Um, and so, you know, like everything from not shaving uh, to stoning uh, adulterers. Um, so anyway, but like this, but he spends a lot of time talking about like, like, um, you know, there's, there's all this like soaring, inspiring, like moral directives in the Bible. And then you're, then you get like things like this that are like, so for people who don't live in ancient Near East are so uh, kind of like, wait, what? Right. Where did that come from? Um, right. So these are seem to be mourning practices, something related to the dead, and uh, very specific things. What, what, uh, anything else that you, uh, any other kind of ways or things that you, any ways of interpreting this or things that you note in this? Yeah, Madeline. Well, just like away from mourning rituals, like, I, I feel like they're saying, like, don't hurt yourself, just in general. Like, don't cut yourself or don't, I, I don't know, like, if they consider hair to be, like, part of your body, I guess yeah. don't trim it or don't, you know, damage this treasured body that God gave you. Yeah. No masochism. No masochism. <laughs> so you would take that um, out of the context of the the death part of it, right? You'd say, like, maybe sort of like what Ben's saying is that, okay, you know, like, uh, there's an aspect of it, like, don't do this because of the dead, but also it's not a good thing to do in general, right? You shouldn't do it because of the dead, you shouldn't do it in general. Perhaps one is only likely to shave just the front of one's head because of the dead. But gashing yourself, I could also see being related to other kinds of cultic ritual. And so, because you are people consecrated to the Lord, right. on top of the original being created in God's image piece, self-damaging and self is prohibited. Yeah, but so. yeah, but I'd like to see other reasons given besides we need to be different from everybody else. I need to see like a logical reason, like like it's not good to hurt yourself as opposed to the pagans do it, so we shouldn't. Do well, I think, it, so. I think the other the verse that I would I feel is relevant to this context, and whether you consider it a form of self damage or not, is the is the being created in God's image component, which this is to my mind referring back to on top of the distinctiveness of. Of the Jews, <laughs> right? So it's interesting. I mean, like you, it, it in 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 one sort of fell swoop, you have like three rationales, right? And I'm not sure which is the rationale, or if these are related rationales, or maybe they're conflicting rationales, right? You have the you have the your children of the Lord your God rationale. Um, you have the um, uh, you have the death rationale, and you have the um, because like you Jews are different from everybody else rationale. Um, all right, let's look for any any other comments about that at the moment. Well, I mean, I yeah. guess one other thing is is tattooing gashing. So it's a really good question, right? Um, so what counts as gashing, right? Because gashing, um, you know, is uh, it's not if it's describing a specific cultic mourning practice in the non-Jewish world then it may be very well like if that was tattooing 
right? Then okay, like I would get that, right? But if it's not tattooing, then like maybe it's just saying, you know, don't take a knife and slice your arm. I mean, right? Well, and I was thinking of like in uh, Angels and Demons, the guy that was like, you know, self-flagellation, self-flagellation right? Yeah. He was definitely gashing himself. Right. That was not a tattoo. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, you could go like really broad and sweeping with it, right? And be like, you know, like naming yourself in the name of sorrow isn't helping. Right, like mm-hmm. it's not an effective way to grieve. Yeah. So and then you take the physicality out of it entirely. Right. Which is interesting because a lot of people get tattoos as remembrance, mm-hmm. and so they're doing exactly what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Good point. In a way, someone could uh, interpret cash as simply self-mocking oneself, which is what a tattoo is. Right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, to you rather than you doing it. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> or, or, or. I've been told that the reason why he's using get tattoos is because originally tattoos were a form of um, idolistic worship. Like right. You got a tattoo as a form of worship to whatever deity you prayed to, and that's why for Jews he prayed, it broke the Ten Commandments because they considered that So, so it bet. Ancestor worship. So, I mean, so, but it begs the question that, um, you know, because we have these different rationales. So, if it if it was if it is related to idolatry, if it's done out of the context of idolatry, right? Like, let's say you get you know a Jewish star tattoo, right? Or um, or you just get something you know like. Like in you know whatever whatever Two you brothers know, camp had a barbed wire had, tattoo had high yeah. tattoo right or something so. like anything it was something relatively I'm trying to think of something that's like not what we saw up there because I think that you could probably make the argument that at least some of those in, are involved if you if you identify those traditions as idolatrous which I'm not positive um, the classical Jewish tradition would but let's say they are right so but let's put those aside and just say like you know like you're like the tattoo that says mom, right? Or whatever. Do people still get those? Um, right? Um, the dolphin you get on your foot, right? Those things that are clearly have no connection to idolatry from a literal sense, right? From a, not a, we, the metaphorical possibility is one that maybe we'll explore, but, the, but in the literal sense they're not, right? So does that mean that if the, that if ta- the act of tattooing or gashing, um, because we don't even know if it's for sure tattooing, it's just, it just says gashing. If it's taken out of the context of idolatry, does that mean that it's okay? And I mean, another thing I was thinking of when you talk about gashing is if you get surgery, they gash you, and that's for health reasons. <coughs> you definitely need to get that done. Right. So yes, and we don't know that just by having this verse out of context. But if you take the totality of the Jewish tradition, it's clear that. Um, uh, 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 issues of preserving life um, trump virtually every other commandment. Um, although, although not idolatry. What? Although not idolatry. Not idolatry. That's true. That's oh, right. true. So it's, so, so the question, so, um, so um, although, although that's not always true, right? So um, it depends on whether the idolatry is public or private. Anyway, um, um, but uh, uh, so, all right, let's look, let's look for a minute at 
the, the commentary that you have below this is, um, they call this the, J, the JPS Torah commentary. JPS stands for the Jewish Publication Society. Um, it's basically like a, a scholarly, historical, archaeological, um, uh, sociological, right? It uses modern, uh, like, uh, Western um, uh, social sciences um, to... Um, to just kind of like say what's going on in this passage, right? So it's not a religious commentary necessarily, although sometimes it includes religious perspectives. Um, so, um, can someone read uh, number one, verse number one, you are children of the Lord your God? You are, the ch- you are children of the Lord your God. The Israelites' relationship to God with all the obligations and privileges that entails is like that of children to their father. Hence, they may not disfigure themselves when The connection between these ideas is unexplained. Right, okay, just stop there. We'll get to the next part of that in a second, right? So, I, I, I mean, I don't know how many of you, right, we're, we're, we're trying to forge the connection between, uh, between these two ideas, right, between the idea of being a child to the Lord your God and not gashing uh, yourselves or shaving your head. And because they're in proximity with each other, we assume that they're connected. And so therefore, we're like, okay, one must be talking about the other. So we got to explain that. But what this is saying is not necessarily so, right? Not necessarily. If they are connected, we don't know exactly how they're connected. So the inference that some people made that this is about being created in the divine image, um, okay, you know, I... Grant you it's a plausible explanation, but it's not necessarily what the text is saying. Yeah. Do you have your hand up? Oh. Yeah. All right. Um, well, since you had your hand up, um, <laughs> can you read where it says shave the front of your heads? Okay. The next bold sentence. The next bold sentence, yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. Shave the front of your heads, better make baldness in the front of your heads. The verb refers to any form of removing hair, cutting and plucking, as well as shaving. For the translation, front of your heads, see comments. Okay, keep on going. Gashing the flesh until the blood runs and removing hair are known as morning rites the world morning rites the world over. They were practiced by Israel's neighbors and by some Israelites. According to Kings eighteen twenty eight, the prophets of Baal practiced self gashing, although in the context there is no obvious connection to mourning. These practices were probably understood differently in different cultures. Some scholars think that they were believed to have an effect of, on the ghost of the dead person, either as offerings of blood and hair to strengthen the ghost in an other world, or to assuage the ghost jealousy of the living by showing in how grief-stricken they are. These rites could also be acts of self-punishment expressed in feelings of guilt, which are often experienced by survivors after a death. Beating the breast is a mild and permitted way of expressing such feelings, while gashing and pulling out hair is extreme and therefore forbidden. Similar laws of excessive manifestations of grief are found elsewhere. In Athens, Solon, 6th century BCE, forbade mourners tearing themselves to raise pity, and the Twelve Tables of Roman Law forbade mourning women to lacerate their cheeks. Fun. Okay. Um... So what new information does that commentary give us? I mean, one of the things is that it's very focused on the morning rituals. And, I mean, I guess you could say somebody's always dying somewhere, but most people, when they're getting tattoos, isn't 
because I'm running and yes, it's true that people do get remembrance tattoos, but I'd say more tattoos are non-remembrance tattoos. Right. So therefore, if we're trying to say that it's related to the mourning process, I don't know that it necessarily applies to tattoos mourning could be celebrating. Right. You know, you're not getting it because you're going to be in mourning forever. You're doing it to celebrate the person's life. No, but I'm saying, like, if I decided today I was going to go to the place and get a Jewish star on my arm, it's not because I'm mourning or because I'm preparing to mourn, it's because I was a Jewish star on my arm. Yeah, I mean, you know, so so at least this this com- this this commentary places the the whole thing pretty squarely in the context of mourning, right? It seems to it seems to read it in that way that that both the shaving and the gashing um, were prohibited because of mourning, uh, and and possibly also because they were idolatrous practices, maybe a combination thereof. Maybe they were mourning practices of idolaters. Although there's that example they gave from an elsewhere in the Bible that um, there's clearly gashing rituals in, um, in non-Jewish uh, religious cultic practice. Um, some of this, I mean, you know, all, we could speculate um, a lot about you know, why um, these kinds of rituals are prohibited. I mean, one is you know, y- your body is the uh, image of God, so don't, right? Although that one makes it very general, right? Um, one... One thought that I had about the um, the whole introduction of your children to the Lord your God with um, something banning sort of extreme physically harmful mourning practices, um, uh, uh, typically speaking, uh, what was the most intense uh, in the ancient world? Um, what was the most intense um, uh, uh, mourning relationship? Who do people mourn for more than anybody else? Children. Children. No. Parents. They remember they lived in a world where there was very high mor- uh, in- child infant mortality rates, right? So, um, so losing a child was—I mean, it was obviously sad. It was a big deal, but it was not—it um, was not nearly as significant for people um, uh, as losing a parent. Losing a parent was was devastating. Person. The family in the ancient world was the smallest unit. Um, there, the people weren't really atomized individuals. You always lived in the context of family, which is why um, the Bible has special categories of protection for orphans, right? Because, and why the mourner's Kaddish that we say uh, when someone dies is actually in Hebrew called Kaddish Yatom, which means the orphan's Kaddish, right? You say it for 11 months for a parent, but not for any other relationship. Because in the ancient world, the presumption was the strongest bond, the strongest relationship that a person had, and I think there's good reason for them to think that, was for a parent. So when, when the text says, don't, uh, your, your children to the Lord your God, don't gash yourselves or shave your head because of the dead, it's possible that what the text is thinking there is, um, uh, your parents are in a certain sense your parents, but in reality, your parent is God. Right, so don't engage in extreme mourning practice, harm, self-harmful mourning practices, because of a death of a parent, because your parent is still alive. Right, so that's one way of looking at. It. But anyway, so that's that's where we get. But again, we don't know. Right, maybe this is talking about um, putting it in the context of mourning. Maybe it's talking about putting it in the context of idolatry. Maybe it's con- talking about both those things together. Maybe it's talking about it independently. We don't know, and we also don't know whether it's talking about tattooing at all. Right, we just know that it's gashing. Yeah. Hurt 
God's image or anything, but like that, like you know, you you shouldn't be hurting yourself. Yeah. Or like like damaging your body in a way that's painful to you or that's scarring permanently. Like when the women gash their faces, you know, it, that it's it's a ritual practiced by other cultures that, that God doesn't support or something. Right. Well, then there's the fact that, that we're talking about the angels near east here, right? Where a cut could mean you're going to die, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, it's a huge, it's a bigger deal. Like, you got a cut on your arm then and a cut on your arm now, I think. So, yeah. like, that much more, like, you should not do that to yourself intentionally. Right. When they do with tattooing, like, bring it back to that, like, if you consider it hurting yourself, that's one thing, but other people might not. Like, it, it, it might be, like, painful for an artistic purpose, but, it, like, if it's solely just to cause pain with yourself, that's, like, a different story. Yeah. All right, so I want to move on a little bit. I pre- yeah, Those are really great insights. Um, let's look at the next text. The next text is a book uh, called uh, Sefer Achinuch, um, which is um, a book that, which literally means the, the book of education. It takes all of the 613 commandments of the Torah, um, and it uh, strives to outline you know, what they're about, what they entail, and the rationales for them. It's called the book of education because it was meant when it was written to be um, sort of like childhood instruction, right? Uh, for, you know, this is what like, little kids would learn so that they learn all the commandments in the Bible. Um, okay, so we'll just do this in the English. Okay, so um, so it, this is uh, um, commandment number 467 in the Torah, according to this count, and there are different, by the way, different rabbis of different counts of the 613 commandments. That's a whole other class. All right, um, so 467, not to gash our bodies as idol worshippers do. Okay, so how is he interpreting this passage? Who's uh, he? Uh, um, it's actually... Uh, um, uh, uh, as far as I know, um, an anonymously written book. Um, so the author of the Sefer Achimach um, is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, uh, 14th century um, uh, Sephardic. Um, uh, um, so, uh, so we'll just say it's the proverbial he. He says, well, how does he interpret the commandment? With regard to idol worship. Right? It is about idol worship. Don't gash yourselves as idol worshipers do. What? Is because they do it, so we should. Because do they it. do it, so we shouldn't do it, right? And when he says idol worshippers here, I I don't think he's talking about um, like just general non-Jews. I think he's talking about like you know, like crazy all-out ancient idol worship. You know, like uh, like um, uh, ritual orgies, uh, human sacrifice. You know the whole nine, right? Um, that's idol worship to the to the to the Bible, not Christianity, not Islam, not Buddhism. Um, I'm I'm um, very. You'll get different answers from different rabbis about that question, but I'm I'm fairly convinced that that's not what it's talking about. So that this is. So I, when they say that type of person, do they self-inflict or do they tattoo? Right. So we. So again, it, it doesn't say. Presumably, it would refer to any kind of self-inflicted wound um, that would include tattooing. But but I don't know. Maybe not. The ancients pierced. The ancients pierced. Yeah, but so did the Jews. Right. Yeah. 
That's right. So that, what's the distinction between a piercing and a tattoo? It's a really good question. Uh, and uh, the answer in uh, classical Jewish law is very fuzzy. It's very driven by, um, by social norms, social conventions, right? So um, there was a time in the ancient world, it was very common for women to have their nose pierced, right? And actually, one of the gifts that uh, Abraham's servant gives to Rebecca, if you guys are familiar with that story, if you're not, just tune out for a second. The gifts to Rebecca, who's going to marry Isaac, is a nose ring. So it was very common back then. But there was a, uh, a period in, like, uh, in recent memory where like every rabbi I talked to um, said, no, of course um, a, a, a Jewish woman, and for sure a Jewish man, can't get a nose piercing, right? Because it was just not socially accepted. It was just like not common um, until recently when it became more common and all, and all of a sudden rabbis said, yeah, sure, nose ring's fine, right? Um, multiple piercings in your ear, things like that. Um, so it's very much driven by social convention. And I actually suspect that, um, that there's a possibility uh, in you know, a generation as tattooing becomes much more prevalent um, that that norm might change too. Um, that, uh, um, and we'll see a little bit if we get to it why that might be. What? Well, except it might not because people might still associate tattooing with the Holocaust. Maybe not, right. And that was what I was thinking. Like, I thought that this was a more modern thing well, because of the Holocaust. Amy Winehouse changed the conversation? I mean, I was in England when Amy Winehouse died, and there was actually a large conversation among the Jews of London at the time. Amy Winehouse was very heavily tattooed and was, came from a modern Orthodox family and was buried in an Orthodox right. cemetery. And that caused quite a stir right. in England. But I think she started the conversation, like her death and her burial in her cemetery started the conversation of what's the social norm. Yeah. Hmm. And it's, I mean, there are. There are um, orthodox interpretations now, too, that say if you came to the religion with a tattoo, you should not remove it. And you right. can be buried, you know, like for those who convert that had tattoos prior to being orthodox. Um, you know, they're told to keep the tattoo, don't cover it, don't remove it, and you will still be able to enter so it, just because we're having this conversation, I, I was going to save it for the end, but go back to the first sheet and look at that first um, uh, commentary where it says, you are children of the Lord your God in bold. Um, go down a couple sentences where at the end of the line it says, to Rashi, Rashi was um, a, uh, <clears throat> um, a 12th century uh, French uh, 11th, 12th century French uh, uh, commentator. Um, uh, and uh, to Rashi, it means that the high state, this is about the verse, you are children of the Lord your God. To Rashi, it means that the high station of the Israelites demands a dignified appearance. Because you are children of the Lord, it is appropriate for you to be comely, not gashed and baldened. Um, sorry for men who are struggling with this. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Right. Um, so, uh, but what? What? So, so that that approach, that interpretation to this to this passage is what sort essentially allows for the social convention to dictate, you know, what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, right? So, what's considered um, comely in, um, in one context, right? Um, uh, that you know, so we say, okay, that's actually for beauty and adornment, and that doesn't count as gashing, therefore, right? So that's you're still beautiful to God if you have the nose ring, right? Um, but no tattooing, right? So, um, but but I think Rashi's 
uh, interpretation here, connecting the verse about gashing to this issue of uh, being children of the Lord your God, um, is um, about, this is about um, how we are uh, present before God. Um, okay, let's keep going in the, in the Sefer Chinuch, just uh, because we're running out of time. Um, so it is stated about this, you shall not cut yourselves. And this injunction was reiterated in other words, as is stated, you shall not make any slashing on your flesh for the dead. Now, in the Talmud, Tractate Yavamot, the sages of blessed memory taught, you shall not cut yourselves. Um, uh, do not make a wound. Okay, so any kind of wound that you inflict on yourselves, that's, what it, uh, that's how the rabbis of the Talmud interpreted it. It was further stated there, you shall not cut yourselves. This is needed for its own meaning. For the merciful God thus said, do not make any wound in yourselves over the dead. In, so it, what, what it means there it was needed for its own meaning, meaning is, is in you, if you read on in Sefer Chinuch, you'll see there's a debate among the Talmudic rabbis um, about this passage actually having anything to do with gashing yourself at all. Um, what uh, many Talmudic rabbis interpreted this verse to mean, and it's really off base from the plain meaning of the text, is that two uh, rabbinic courts in the same city um, could not publicly disagree with one another for fear that they would um, uh, break up the Jewish community into different camps. Um, uh, agudot, agudot, from the word uh, titko to do. Um, so so uh, what he's saying here is, that um, that that it that it offers this that it gives this commandment of you shall not cut yourself is needed for its own meaning. Like we're, it, 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 there's a literal component to it. In tractate Makot, a little bit later in the Talmud, the sages of blessed memory said slashing and cutting are the same thing. And it was stated there that if someone slashes himself in grief over a dead person, whether with the hand or with an instrument, right, so there would count tattooing. I suspect um, he is punishable. But over an idol, if with an instrument he is punishable, whereas by hand he is free of penalty. That's a, an intricacy that I don't think we need to get into. For so it was there the heathen, the idolaters' practice, to slash themselves before an idol with an instrument in accord with the verse, and they cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances. So the <clears throat> Jewish legal tradition holds it in both categories. Don't cut yourselves on account of the dead, and don't cut yourselves on account of idolatry. But theoretically, what does that leave open? Cutting yourself for any other reason. Cutting yourself for any other reason, right? So keep on going. In any event, though, as it appears from the words of our sages of blessed memory, punishment through the negative precept, in other words, the prohibition of cutting yourself, um, prohibitions in the Bible, in Jewish root, uh, legal tradition, incurred punishment if you violated them. They used to live in societies where you had rabbinic courts that could enforce theoretically punishments on Jewish um, violations of Jewish law. So in this case, um, you would be exempt from punishment. It doesn't necessarily say it's permitted, but you're at least exempt from punishment um, only when one cuts himself on account of the dead or an idol. Or sorry, you get punished if you, uh, uh, if you cut yourself on account of the dead or an idol. But if a person cuts himself for no reason or in anger over his house that collapsed, I guess you would cut yourself sometimes over a house that collapsed or a ship that sank, I mean, some other kind of tragedy, some other kind of major life event that wasn't specifically for the dead, wasn't specifically for idol worship, even though it is a most vile and heinous deed and it is forbidden, punishment on account of this negative precept is not incurred for it. 
Okay. So what he basically says there is what we all intuited, that, um, that presumably this commandment does not uh, prohibit uh, gashing yourself um, uh, for some reason other than for the dead or for idolatry. But he does say a couple things here that are interesting. First, he says it's heinous. And forbidden. And he says it's forbidden. So those are the two things he says. Now, I have to tell you that I, did, uh, I didn't want to like, bombard you with papers, but I did a fair amount of research about this. Um, the statement that it's a heinous deed um, doesn't seem, I can't seem to really trace that back to any other author um, other than him, um, which strikes me uh, that, in his opinion, it was a heinous deed. And maybe it's his opinion for perfectly legitimate Jewish reasons, right? Like some people have mentioned here, and like many of us, I think, grew up um, being taught that it uh, violates the, uh, the, the ethic, the value of being created in God's image, right? That, uh, that by doing something that harms our body or inflicts some sort of um, a permanent mark on our body or something like that um, is, is, uh, is aesthetically um, uh, repulsive or it's maybe in some senses uh, um, morally ambiguous at best, right? That, that, uh, that by Jewish tradition saying you're children of the Lord your God, you're creating the divine image, all of that means um, that we have a, a revulsion at desecrating our body in some way. And I don't want to discount that, right? Because I think that that, like, the fact that, that he said it and phrased it like that, the fact that it is such a pervasive Jewish value, I actually think is, um, in my opinion, on balance, a good thing. And I think it does reflect, it's, you know, it's very easy to connect those dots between Judaism says that we're created in the divine image, the body is sacred, um, uh, that, uh, that we therefore should not uh, inflict wounds on ourselves, permanent gashings on those, things like that. But it's also important to note that the heinousness of it um, is this author's opinion, and it seems to me um, in the classical Jewish legal literature, this author's opinion alone. The forbidden aspect of it is also interesting. His claim is it's forbidden. You can see that there's a footnote here. The footnote connects you to the first three paragraphs of uh, the first three paragraphs of this text are based on Sefer HaMitzvot, which is a book by a rabbi named Maimonides. Maimonides is a very, very important uh, uh, rabbi of the um, uh, um, 12th century North Afri Spain, North Africa, Middle East. Uh, and he wrote a book similar to this that lists out all the commandments in the Torah. And so this was uh, um, his prohibition, number 45. Uh, and uh, what Maimonides says there, um, he actually doesn't comment on whether or not it's permitted or forbidden uh, to gash yourselves for something other than idolatry or the dead. So there's a footnote here connected to the statement that it's forbidden, but Maimonides doesn't say whether or not it's permitted or forbidden. He's just silent on it. Uh, later Jewish legal literature is actually less silent on the subject. The Shulchan Aruch, which is probably the most uh, widely accepted, widely uh, authoritative um, uh, code of Jewish law, uh, written in the 16th century in um, the land of Israel, um, uh, actually goes so far as to say 
specifically that it is permitted to uh, um, inflict a, a gash on yourself um, so long as it's not done for the dead or for idolatry. So what you're left with here is um, a, an ambiguous commandment from the Torah that is interpreted through the lens of Jewish tradition, Jewish legal tradition, um, as forbidding something very specific. And simultaneously, a sense, um, even with a a connected strand through the Jewish legal tradition, um, that though it might not be expressly forbidden in Jewish law, there's something antithetical to Jewish values about participating in the practice, even when it's not for the thing that's actually forbidden. Um, which, uh, which, when you combine it with the legacy of the Holocaust, um, where people were tattooed um, against their will, you um, get a very pervasive um, uh, uh, atmosphere sense today that, of course, Judaism is against uh, tattooing, um, and it is very against tattooing, and it's very prohibited to tattoo, and not only that, but if you do it, you're not going to be buried in a Jewish cemetery, which all of our Jewish mothers told us, right, to stop us from getting tattoos, Um, but, uh, you know, I'm not advocating anybody go out and get a tattoo here, but what I am saying is that what I am saying is that um, as far as prohibitions in the Torah go, the the sort of secular act of tattooing that most people do today doesn't seem to be expressly forbidden in the Torah. Is it? Uh, not quite in keeping with uh, with the sense of uh, Jewish values of, of the sanctity of the body, our relationship to God being created in the divine image. Yes, I would say it's not really in keeping with those values. But you know, if I were, if you were to ask me, okay, you know, should I go get like the barbed wire tattoo on my arm, uh, or should I? Uh, uh, eat a bacon cheeseburger, and it's got to be one of those two things, right? I'm only asking you those. I say, okay, get the tattoo, don't eat the bacon, because that's expressly forbidden. Um, <laughs> um, uh, not that, if you have a tattoo, of bacon. <laughs> so that I think might border on getting a tattoo for idolatrous purposes. Um, uh, so again, if, if anybody asks you, does Rabbi Knopf say it's okay to get a tattoo? Rabbi Knopf doesn't say it's okay to get a tattoo. Is it like but the... It's not okay. Is it... Right, it's not not okay, right? It's not, it's not an express... Double negative it's discouraged. <laughs> it's, it's discouraged, but I would say that unless you are doing it for idolatrous worship or you are doing it um, for an extreme mourning practice, which might include... Um, general, right, you're doing it in memory of someone, that, that sort of touches on the border. Um, but if you're doing it to beautify your body or something like that, I'm not so sure that it fits into that category. Again, I'm not saying you should do it. Uh, I'm just saying that if you did do it, um, I think that you could uh, find a way to live your life without Jewish guilt um, and still be buried in a Jewish cemetery. <laughs>